Never lifted weights in my life. I ran cross country. I can't change my own oil, and I certainly can't, like, put shingles on my house or install a seamless gutter. Like, that's me. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. No, we are not debating Michael Jordan versus LeBron James today. Although, man, I, I know we were all hyping up MJ after that doc this summer, but LeBron with a fourth ring, third different team, three different head coaches. I, I don't know. It's an interesting debate, but one I have zero interest in having on this show. We're not going to do it. We're going to talk NBA Finals, talk about the Bucks, talk about the Lakers with the host of the WKTY Morning Show here in La Crosse. His name is Dave Carney. And he is just a true joy to talk sports with. I'm lucky enough to join his show two or three times a week. And, of course, listen to it in the morning here in Lacrosse. He's going to join this show, at least for the first time, on our affiliate in Madison. So I'm excited to introduce Dave to you coming up at 5.30. We'll talk finals, little bucks, little Lakers, as he lived and worked in L.A. for a long time. So he's got a deep background with the Lakers and want to talk to him about the finals. And I, I'm should I share my disdain for the Lakers and their title with him. I'm going to let him enjoy it. I'm not going to hate on him. I'm not going to try to rain on his parade. We'll talk to him coming up in a half hour. We're also going to talk NFL, talk Packers, and we're even going to talk Vikings for just a couple of minutes before 6 o'clock, right before we wrap up the show. And it sucks because I have to defend the Vikings, which I hate doing, but it's just it's the way the game is played right now. I don't make the rules, but you're all attacking the Vikings, and I, I guess I have to be the one to defend them. So we'll do that before 6 o'clock as well. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you had a great weekend, and I'm glad you have tuned in. If you want to share your thoughts with me, uh, agree with everything I'm saying, which I don't know how you could disagree with everything I'm saying, but if you can nitpick and find something, shoot me a text, 608-796-2558, or tweet at me, at Wisco Grant. You can find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant, Grant Bills, B-I-L-S-E. Okay. I know the Packers were on bye yesterday, so we kind of had a moment to watch as an unbiased fan. No emotional attachment, unless, of course, you were cheering against the Vikings last night, or maybe you have a second team that you cheer for. I don't have a second team in the NFL. I have a second team in baseball. I'm a Mariners guy. I like the Diamondbacks as well. And in the NBA, I'm a Sacramento Kings guy. But in the NFL, I have one team. That is the Green Bay Packers. So yesterday, I had no emotional attachment, nothing. I could just observe. And I spent all my time trying to watch the other contenders in the NFC, or at least the teams that we think are the contenders alongside the Packers, the Seahawks, the 49ers, through five weeks, I think the Rams are in that group of contenders as well. The Cowboys by default, because somebody has to win that division, and I I think it's going to be the Cowboys, so even though they're, what, two and three, they're going to be in this group of contenders because somebody's got to come out of that terrible division. The NFC beast, the NFC least, and I think the Vikings are an interesting team as well. I just like watching them because I obviously live right across the river, and I you know talk to a lot of Vikings fans every day and listen to a little bit of the Vikings radio network. Every now and again, I like to keep tabs on the Vikings. So I was watching them yesterday as well, and it helped they were playing the Seahawks. After watching all the other contenders in the NFC, I came to a conclusion, and I'm going to pose that conclusion to you in the form of a question. Something to chew on, something to think about, or if you feel so inclined, something to text me about at 608-796-2558. Are we sure the Packers aren't the class of the NFC? Like, we don't know anything for certain right now. We don't know if the Packers are the best team. We don't know if they're going to be the number one seed. We don't know if they're going to win the division, win the Super Bowl. We don't know if they're going to do anything. However, through five weeks, 
are we sure the Packers are not the class of the NFC? Could you make an argument for another team? Could you definitively say at this point there's another team in the NFC better than the Packers? I don't think you can. It's not an argument that I think you can make right now, especially after yesterday. Because I had a couple of moments watching these contenders, the Niners, Cowboys, the Seahawks, the Vikings. I had moments while watching these teams where I'm like, wait, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait a minute. This is the team the Packers are worried about? This is the team that that y'all think are better than the Packers? I'm not buying it. I saw a lot of question marks yesterday while watching the Niners, the Cowboys, the Seahawks. Let's start with the Niners because that's the easy one. The Niners lost to the Dolphins yesterday. (laughs) And I've had to go back and watch the highlights because this is one of the afternoon games that's kind of buried underneath the primetime game. It's buried underneath America's Game of the Week. So when there's a bunch of games on at noon, you can kind of flip around and go back and forth. But once you get to 3.30, there's the primetime game, America's Game of the Week, which yesterday, thank God we got to watch the Giants play the Cowboys. But then those other 3.30 games, they kind of get buried. The Dolphins played the Niners in that time spot yesterday, and I've watched the highlights. I've had to because I'm not for certain still that this game played out that way. The Dolphins beat the Niners 43-17, to and I still don't fully believe it. I think somebody's pulling a fast one on us. Somebody, I'm, I'm on ESPN.com right now looking at scores. I think somebody on the website is, is trolling me and trolling everybody who's looking at scores. The Niners gave up 43 to the Dolphins? I like Ryan Fitzpatrick, but 43 points? Jimmy G got benched? 7-17 for 77 yards and two picks? It's not like they benched him for, I don't know, Tua or Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow. They didn't bench him for somebody they drafted. They benched him for C.J. Beathard. And no hate on C.J. Beathard because he is a, a member of the Big Ten brethren, right? As Badger fans, I feel like we got to have a little respect for C.J. Beathard, good Iowa quarterback, but like, it's not like they benched him for the heir apparent for the future. Jimmy G got benched because he was trash. The Niners are 2-3, and three, and over the next seven games, they have to play the Rams twice. The Rams are sneaky good this year. They figured some things out. They got to play the New England Patriots, Seattle Seahawks, the New Orleans Saints, the Buffalo Bills, and the Green Bay Packers. Now, it would not surprise me in the slightest if the Niners lose to the Rams, the Patriots, Seahawks, New Orleans, and then they end up just pounding the Packers. I don't know why I foresee that happening, but I just have a bad feeling it will. Case in point, the Niners are sub-500, and they're about to embark on a stretch that's just about as tough as you can embark on. The Niners are in a tough spot. I, I was reading about the Niners today, and even their beat reporters are like, man, they are behind the eight ball. They are in a terrible spot. It is not looking good for this Niners team. And they have yet to get 100% healthy and, and yet to really get their legs under them. But even the 49ers faithful, people who cover and talk about that team every day, they're like, hey, this ain't good. This ain't good at all. Maybe screwed. Jimmy G getting benched for C.J. Beathard. Any given Sunday, I guess. Any given Sunday. So that was the Niners. I, I'm not sold that the Niners are even a, a, a good team right now, let alone great, let alone the Super Bowl contender they were a year ago, the contender that just boat raced the Packers twice, both in primetime. Great, awesome. I love remembering that. That was the 49ers yesterday. Now, the Cowboys, I I feel for the Cowboys, and I feel for Dak, because I like Dak Prescott, and I think we get frustrated with Dak because the media is always talking about him. Dak's contract, Dak's contract, look at all the yards Dak is throwing for. Dak, 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 Dak. It's not personal against Dak Prescott. I really like him. Really impressive really mature. He's got the ball rolling on some really difficult conversations this year. Mental health, talking about the loss of his, uh, his brother, I believe. I don't, I'm not 100% sure if I'm wrong. I apologize. The point being, Dak is really impressive, and I want to like him. And I want to like Mike McCarthy and see him do well, but it just sucks because I don't like the Cowboys. It's just what we do. We cheer against the Cowboys. You wake up on Sunday, 
you cheer for the Packers, you cheer against the Bears, you cheer against the Cowboys. That's just the way, that's the way it is. That's the lay of the land. I'm sorry, I can't change that. And I want to cheer for the Cowboys because I like Dak, especially now because Dak got injured. It was a brutal ankle injury. And I want to see Mike McCarthy do well, but like, come on. I'm supposed to hate the Cowboys. And I still think they'll win that division, but they gave up 34 points to the, to the Giants yesterday. To Daniel Jones. Giants are terrible. They're 0 5, and they had yet to score 20 points. They had yet to break the 20 mark. It's funny. I saw, I was watching NFL primetime this morning, and they were talking about the Jets and the Giants, the two New York teams who still don't have any wins. The Jets are either 0 4 or 0 5. I don't know if they've had their bye yet. And the Giants are 0 5. And both of these teams combined are averaging about 15 points a week. Just terrible. And the Cowboys let Daniel Jones, Mr. Turnover, drop 34 in Dallas with fans. So, like, I, 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 that defense is done. They're toast. They're shredded. They're bad. And I know Tony Dungy made just a cringy, terrible point last night about Dak's injury being a, 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 what did he call it? A blessing in disguise, which is terrible wording, but I understand what he meant, right? The Cowboys need to get back to running the football because they're throwing for all these yards, but there's no time of possession. There's no consistency, and, and there's no ball control, and, and there's no defense. So the Cowboys really need to control the clock around the ball, which they'll now do without Dak Prescott. I couldn't believe that Tony, Tony Dungy said that last night. Feel for the Cowboys, but they're still the Cowboys, and we cheer against the Cowboys. I'm sorry. That's, I don't make the rules. I just have to follow them. Now, we had seen the warning signs with San Fran up until this point. So even though they were blown up by the Dolphins, we still had our question marks about the Niners. We'd seen the concerns with Dallas. Mainly, they're not that good. And we've seen concerns with New Orleans. And we'll see the Saints tonight, and we'll talk more about them tomorrow, and and especially how they pertain and compare to the Packers. But Seattle was the one team that still hadn't really faltered. And although their defense isn't great, still looks really strong. And for whatever, like, NFC fans, Vikings fans, Packers fans, we both know this. Like, the the Seahawks do not die. Just when you start to count them out, and you think, ah, it ain't their year. It is their year. You, You do not count out the Seahawks. It's a mistake. Right? And so far through this year, they've been undefeated. Russ looks like the MVP, right? MVP, Russ, MVP. Let Russ cook. Okay, Seattle won last night. They go to 5-0, and and that's impressive, absolutely. They beat the Vikings, which I think we all have a little bit of a mixed opinion on exactly how good or bad the Vikings are. Russ needed a game-winning drive to beat Kirk Cousins and the Vikes. He now has 30 game-winning drives, passing Matt Stafford for most in the NFL, and I would argue that if Matt Stafford is the gold standard, it's not really a statistic that means all that much it was an amazing game-winning drive awesome he made some tremendous throws on fourth and ten and took until the final play the last couple of seconds of the game to zip the ball into the end zone to DK Metcalf which thank you my fantasy team appreciated that but my number one seed and my MVP quarterback wouldn't be trailing the Vikings in the fourth quarter Packers never trailed the well they did trail the Vikes early in the game but that Vikings team ain't that good my quarterback Aaron Rodgers and my hopeful number one seed the Packers would never be in that position would never be trailing the lowly Vikings who were without some of their best players including Dalvin Cook who got hurt last night he was trailing them needed a game-winning drive look I'm not trying to hate I'm not trying to be salty I don't want to give that impression today Russell Wilson is amazing but we have got our MVP goggles strapped to our heads so tight that it's impacting the way that we watch the Seahawks and impacting the way that we watch and judge Russell Wilson the Seahawks didn't score in the first half. They didn't have a touchdown until the third quarter. They didn't have a field goal till the third quarter. In fact, they were so offensively inept in the first half that they only ran 18 plays. 18 plays against the Vikings defense, which is terrible. The Vikings defense is bad. Their secondary doesn't know what they're doing. They're young and inexperienced. 
They're without Anthony Barr. They're without Daniil Hunter. Yannick Ngonkwe just got there. Michael Pierce opted out. They ran 18 plays, scored zero points before halftime. In fact, the game-winning drive, which is everything that anybody is talking about today, we're only talking about the game-winning drive, that game-winning drive was only possible because Seattle's defense stops the Vikes on fourth and one, and that game-winning drive was only necessary because Russell Wilson threw a pick on the previous drive. Once again, not trying to dump on Russell Wilson, not trying to dump on the Seahawks, but we need to watch these games objectively. And the NFL community, at some point over this offseason, all gathered together and agreed, without letting me know, that we're just going to blindly support the Seahawks, blindly cheer for Russell Wilson, and pound the desk and go, MVP, 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 all year long, without really watching critically. I get it. It is pretty crazy that Russell Wilson has never got an MVP vote, especially given that Matt Ryan has won one. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I think Russell Wilson is getting his due, and it's amazing that we're appreciating him and we're watching and enjoying him in prime time, and we're giving him some love. Awesome. But we're being idiots when we watch Seahawks games. We were all idiots last night. Mike Zimmer's defense is trash. The Vikings are trash. And yet Russell Wilson and the MVP, the number one seeded Seahawks, the favorites, the prohibitive favorites by some lines today, which is ridiculous, and we'll talk about that next, they needed a game-winning drive to beat the Vikings. That game-winning drive only possible because Seattle's defense got the ball turned over on downs, and that game-winning drive only necessary because Russell Wilson had a chance to take the lead on the previous drive, and he threw a pick, which we I understand when Russell Wilson throws interceptions. It's taboo to even bring it up. It's funny because Russell Wilson threw an interception in the Super Bowl, and we don't even we mention it. It's Pete Carroll's fault. Why didn't Pete Carroll hand the ball off? Russell, oh, come on. But Pete Carroll threw that interception. No, we are so, so out of whack with the way that we watch and the way that we take in the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson. That's all I'm asking, is let's just be balanced. Let's just be fair. Let's judge Russell Wilson the same way that we draft and judge every other quarterback and every other team. For example, people hate on Aaron Rodgers for not throwing interceptions. Remember that little nugget last year when everyone's mad? It's like, well, yeah, Aaron Rodgers isn't throwing interceptions, but he really should be because interceptions are a sign of aggression and and Aaron Rodgers isn't being aggressive. Wait, you want him to throw picks? You're mad that Aaron Rodgers isn't throwing picks? Well, he, he needs to be more aggressive and push the ball down the field. No, how about he doesn't turn the ball over? That's why the Packers were able to be really non-spectacular last year and still win 13 games because they held onto the ball. We hate on Rodgers for literally not throwing picks, and we ignore the interceptions of Russell Wilson. Like, yeah, that game-winning drive is great, but that game-winning drive wouldn't have been necessary had Russell Wilson just not turned the ball over on the previous drive. People hate on the Packers for being too dependent on Aaron Rodgers. I straight up listened to somebody on GetUp, which is it's a program that I try to avoid. I don't know why I was watching the other day. I think I saw it on Twitter. And somebody on ESPN was making the case that Seattle is the pick right now and not the Packers because the Packers are too dependent on Aaron Rodgers. I'm just like, am I high? Have I been drinking all day? Am I on some drugs? Am I crazy? Or are the Seahawks more dependent on Russell Wilson than any other team on any other player in the league? The Packers are too dependent on Aaron Rodgers? We are all high. We are all stoned. We've been smoking the Russell Wilson Kush, the MVP, the OG MVP, got our pipe loaded up, Russell Wilson MVP, MVP, MVP. Okay, that would be really cool to see Russell Wilson win an MVP, and I think he probably deserves one before his career is over. But we're watching Seahawks games like idiots. People are analyzing these games like idiots. Because we have this preconceived notion that the Seahawks are the best, that Russell Wilson is the MVP, 
and everything else doesn't matter. We're going to block it all out. We're going to view games through that lens. And that's just bad fandom. That's bad analysis. And it's analysis that I won't stand for on the Wisco Sports Show because we're better than that. I'm better than that. Not here to hate on Seattle. They're 5-0, and and I would not want to play them in the playoffs right now because they're the Seahawks, and Russell Wilson is brilliant. I'm just here to be objective, not to hate. The NFC is wide open. All I'm saying is I don't know if you can make a strong and definitive argument that the Packers aren't the best team in the conference right now. We'll learn more as the year goes on. But as of right now, I don't know that you can make a case that there's a team better than the Packers in their own conference. And that's an exciting place to be. We can celebrate that. Especially if the Packers are on bye. We can celebrate a 4-0 start and a conference that's shaping up to be very winnable, it looks like, for the Green Bay Packers. We'll continue to talk about the Packers and look at some of the MVP odds and the NFC title odds, the Super Bowl odds as well, coming up next. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Back in a few here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show, rolling on. Happy Monday. Hope your week is off to at least a decent start. Hope you had a great weekend as well. My name is Grant Bills. Thank you for tuning in. If you want to follow me on Twitter, absolutely. I don't know why you'd want to do that to yourself, but you absolutely can. You can find me at Wisco Grant, W-I-S-C-O-G-R-A-N-T, Grant Bills. Uh, You can search me that way as well, B-I-L-S-E. You can text the show if you want to chime in, 608-796-2558. That's the number to do so. With the Packers on by and the Brewers eliminated, and while the Bucks have been dead since the second round, we don't exactly have a lot of Wisconsin sports going right now. Now, thankfully, we're going to get the Badgers back soon, and we'll get the Packers, obviously, back after their bye week. We hope. Let's, uh, as a state, do our best to make sure that COVID gets under control so we don't have to worry about that, uh, about our Green Bay Packers getting COVID. In the meantime, we're just kind of talking about the big events of the weekend, the big sports stories right now, and I'm trying to watch a little bit of this Astros-Rays game. The Rays are up 3 to nothing. I God, I want the Rays to win this series so bad. I'll, I'll get a Rays shirt. I will get a Rays crew neck, a Tampa Bay Rays crew neck, if they knock off the Astros. Hold me to that. I will I will post a picture on my Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I'm trying to send all the good mojo possible to the Rays because I cannot see the Astros in a World Series. That would It would keep me up at night. So we'll talk about the baseball playoffs, about the end of the NBA season, and about other NFL games going on as well, biding our time until one of our uh, Wisconsin sports teams gets back on the field or on the court. And after last night, the Lakers closed it out. They beat the Heat 106-93. to The game was never really that close. They were almost up by 40 at one point in the third quarter. I I don't like showing weakness. I know I'm supposed to be a tough guy on, on the air. But I, I'm emotional today. I'm emotional for Lakers fans. Because they've excuse me, they've endured so much since their last title in 2011. Since they've won their last title in 2011, almost 10 years they've had to go through this drought. I'm sorry, I'm trying not to cry in today's show. Um, If there is any franchise and fan base that deserves a title, it is it is the it is the Lakers. And I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional today. I'm so happy for their whole fan base that has endured this long 10 years. Think of that. If there was a Lakers fan that was born in 2011, they they knew life without an NBA title. That's no way to live. That's the, I feel I felt terrible for Lakers fans the last decade, and finally last night, finally something broke their way. Finally got lucky and were able to win a title. I can't imagine what that 10 year drought was like. Of course, I'm being sarcastic. Uh, today I I did a little bit of research, studied the last 10 years for the Lakers, and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at what the Lakers have been up to, and and maybe just maybe we can figure out a a blueprint to the Lakers' success. We have a roadmap. We know what the Bucs should do moving forward. Just follow the Lakers' blueprint, right? That's what we did with the Niners and the Chiefs last year. What's the secret to their success? 
How do you build a roster to make it to the Super Bowl? How can the Packers get over the hump? Well, let's do the same with the Lakers. I've looked over the last 10 years, and I, I have figured out the Lakers' blueprint to success. And, of course, it all starts with coaching. you got to have the right coach. And in the last 10 years, the Lakers did a superb job. They had five or six different guys um, and, and I think if you're, I mean, looking at the Lakers, it, variety must be the key because they hired and fired so many, always finding the right coach. It, see, after Phil Jackson left in 2011, uh, they hired Mike Brown, who coached the, this, the team for a year and a couple of days. In his first year, they went 41 and 25, which is just about as many games as the Joe Prunty Bucks won uh, in 2017-2018. That team exited in the second round. And then in 2012, the Lakers started one and four. And, you know, that's just not up. That's not up to the standards. Even though the season is 82 games long, five games, the Lakers had seen enough. They cut bait with Mike Brown, went through a couple interim head coaches, uh, decided that Mike Brown just wasn't cutting the mustard through five games. So they moved on, ultimately hiring Mike D'Antoni, who finished the year as the intern and went 27 and 55 in his next full year, which is obviously miserable. 27 and 55 by the Lakers standards is, is puke. That's actually trashed by the Bucks standards right now as well. So they fired Dan Tony, right? You want to keep the carousel spinning. That's key to success. Then they hired Byron Scott. Now, Byron Scott was a tremendous coach, winning 21 games in his first season and then outdoing himself in the next season, winning only 17. So Byron Scott was the standard for success, another outstanding hire by the Lakers. And then finally, they hired Luke Walton. Now, Luke Walton was so good, was was the right choice to such an extent that he was actually below 500 in all three seasons that he coached before being fired and, and going on to the Sacramento Kings, where he's now driving my second favorite franchise into anonymity even more so, uh, and found himself up uh, in, a, in a sexual assault uh, investigation as well. So a great hire by the Lakers to go below 500 in all three seasons. Now, a lot of people say this title came out of nowhere. I, I would argue with that. I'd push back on that and say the, the Lakers have been laying the groundwork for years, constantly rotating coaches through to make sure that they have the best possible option from Phil Jackson to Mike Brown to Dan Tony to Byron Scott to Luke Walton and then, of course, to Frank Vogel this year. The key must be having as many coaches as possible. The Lakers have, have killed it in that department in the last 10 years. Oh, and don't forget about front office leadership as well because Magic Johnson came to this franchise two years ago and actually saved a sinking franchise. He did such a good job. They ended up uh, quitting randomly, announcing it to a press conference. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Magic Johnson on first take this week given that he's such a brilliant spokesperson for the franchise um, and, and and probably you know stick a knife in Rob Palinka's back uh, on some type of TV appearance this week. Magic Johnson, just a tremendous hire by the Lakers. That didn't go south at all. So coaching, front office leadership, the Lakers have had an amazing decade and certainly deserve the championship that they won last night. Of course, you know, championship teams, it's not just about the coaching and the front office. It's about the players. So you got to put the right players in position. And of course, every championship team starts in the draft. You got to draft well, draft and develop, right? That's what our friend Ted Thompson taught us. Well, the Lakers have also done an outstanding job in that department as well. Some notable draft picks from the last decade, Julius Randle. Um, who they drafted and developed right to another team. D'Angelo Russell, uh, who went about as poorly as any high draft pick has ever gone, uh, except for busts. You know, a dude who can play. D'Angelo Russell's shipped. Where is he now? Is he? He's in, oh, he's in Minnesota. That's why I forgot. The only place, the only place that D-Loading could go that I'd forget about it, to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Great draft and develop job by the Lakers there. Brandon Ingram, who just won most improved player, which was a travesty because Devontae Graham should have won it. Um, and Lonzo Ball. For all examples of players that they have drafted and developed over the years, just the the, the, the standard 
for success in player development, the Los Angeles Lakers. Lonzo Ball is a great example because he was selected in the same draft as Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell and Bam Adebayo, uh, my guy, De'Aaron Fox. But the Lakers, no. They they outsmarted everybody else and took Lonzo Ball, who uh, in the next year or so probably won't be starting. I'll change my tune if the Bucks trade for him. At that point, he's the next Jason Kidd. But until that happens, Lonzo Ball is um, is a bust. Well done. I mean, the Lakers have killed it in the draft and, and develop department as well. Of course, you just can't draft players. Uh, you need to spend effectively in free agency, too. Efficient money. You can't overspend, but a team like the Lakers, they should be able to spend, right? The Lakers in the last 10 years have done such a brilliant job of signing the correct free agents and not overpaying at all. I mean, they were the team, after all, that gave Timofey Mozgov four years, $64 million. Brilliant contract. Ahead of its time, given that everybody knew that the NBA was trending in a direction where centers were going to be the focal point of every offense and defense, so that contract made extra sense when you factored in the position of Timofey Mozgov. Uh, also, don't forget about the four-year, $50 million deal for Jordan Clarkson, who, is he in Utah? I'm actually not sure where Jordan Clarkson is now. And, of course, four years, $72 million for Luol Deng. Excellent job, Lakers. Really, really good job spending your free agency money this decade. You killed it. Absolutely killed it. Nailed every signing that they had. Now, once the Lakers had built their foundation through coaching, uh, by their, I, I should say through their coaching carousel of Mike Brown, uh, D'Antoni, Byron Scott, Luke Walton, finally Vogel. I mean, built their foundation through a great coaching search, searches over the last 10 years, and front office leadership as well. Um, I mean, Magic Johnson was so tremendous that he actually uh, quit on live TV and told nobody about it. And then they drafted really well, uh, all those players that I mentioned who are no longer a member of the Lakers. And, you know, free agents like Timofey Mozgov and Jordan Clarkson, Luol Dang, everybody knew that was going to be a great signing, right? The, the Lakers built this foundation. And then they brought in the stars to seal the deal. Now, here's the key, and this is where the Lakers got real sneaky. The Lakers did a, a great maneuver by signing LeBron James because LeBron James really had no reason to sign with the Lakers because of their ineptitude at finding the right coach and their front office dysfunction and their terrible job of drafting and developing players and spending their money in free agent. The key is that the Lakers were somehow able to get LeBron James to sign there anyways. Now, they were strategic about this because the Lakers are conveniently in L.A., which is where everybody lives. Uh, the weather is beautiful. The beaches are beautiful. Weed is legal. I, I'm not saying anything about you know the, the use or lack thereof of these NBA players. Just saying, LA has some pluses. So that's where the Lakers got sneaky. You know, they messed everything up from coaching to front office to the draft to free agency. But here's the key: to be successful like the Lakers, you have to be conveniently located in LA. That's how you landed LeBron. And then, in order to get their second star, they just had to cross their fingers that another All NBA great player uh, would demand a trade despite, in my opinion, not really deserving one, given that he had been nothing but injured and, and really hadn't been able to lead his team throughout the postseason, despite having a couple decent rosters. So that, that was really where the Lakers drove this home, is sign the best player ever, or the second best player ever, depending on who you ask, uh, and then hope that another All-NBA player demands a trade and demands specifically to go to your team. Now, that's what I noticed over the last decade. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe I missed something, but it seems like the Lakers have figured out the keys to winning a championship. Hire and fire as many coaches as possible. Have as much dysfunction and drama in the front office as possible. Draft really poorly. Develop really poorly. Sign really expensive, uh, really bad free agents. But as long as you are able to sign LeBron James and trade for Anthony Davis, I guess that's how you win a title. If you haven't been keeping up until now, this has been a lesson in sarcasm for the last 15 minutes. The Lakers have done nothing but make terrible decisions in every department for the last decade. But because they're conveniently located in L.A., I guess they can win a title. I guess LeBron James can sign there. And look, give him credit. Yeah, they, they had the draft capital to go out and get 
Anthony Davis, but you'll have draft capital if you suck for four straight years and you're routinely picking in the top five. I've tweeted this multiple times at Wisco Grant. The Lakers have done nothing in the last 10 years to deserve winning that title, except for signing LeBron James and trading for Anthony Davis. My point exactly, LeBron James had no point signing there other than they're the Lakers. And Anthony Davis had no reason to go there other than LeBron went there. It's it's a bummer. It's a huge bummer. As a Bucks fan, watch my team make brilliant, uh, fiscally responsible signings. I think draft pretty well, develop pretty well, hire the right front office, hire the the you know correct you know coach. But I guess if the Bucks want to win a title, I guess just move to Los Angeles, and that's yeah, sure. I guess that's how it's done. It's a bummer. Like the the Lakers are the only team that can make that many mistakes in a decade and still win a title. And I feel terrible for Lakers fans. They had to wait a whole 10 years. Yeah, miss me with that. Screw the Lakers and their fans. That being said, we're going to talk to a Lakers fan, uh, host of the WKTY Morning Show, Dave Carney, who hosts the Sports Carnival from 6 to 9 every morning on our lacrosse affiliate, WKTY. He worked in L.A. for a long time. And I talked to him this afternoon. I was not aggressive. I was very supportive of his Lakers winning a title. Of course, he's a big Bucks fan as well after living in Wisconsin for the last couple of years. We'll talk to him about last night and about the end of the NBA season coming up at 5.30 Coming up next, I want to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. What did last night's game and what does the Lakers title mean for the Bucks moving forward? I think I have some interesting, interesting conclusions that aren't 100% sarcastic. More of the Wisco Sports Show and Bucks Talk coming up next. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for being here. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter if you want to subject yourself to more of my uh, obnoxiousness. You can follow me at Wisco Grant, W-I-S-C-O-G-R-A-N-T. You can follow me there and tweet back and forth. I, I got a tweet from one of my favorite followers today. I posted a video in the studio, and I have my uh, my NBA sweatshirt on today. Just supporting the league, just supporting the association. Glad that uh, my Twitter followers, or I guess follower... <laughs> Appreciate my uh, generic support of my individual leagues, the NBA most notably. Let's talk a little NBA with one of the biggest NBA fans I know. For those of you who don't know him, he hosts the WK2I Morning Show on our affiliate in lacrosse. His name is Dave Carney. I join his show a couple of times a week in the morning, and I actually don't mind getting out of bed for it because he is a true joy. It's a lot of fun, and he spent a lot of time in L.A. over the years covering the Lakers, watching the Lakers, so I wanted to have him on today. Let's go to the talk and text line. Dave Carney, host of the WKTY Morning Show. Dave, I know you must have been thrilled last night. Your Lakers won the chip. And I know I've kind of been, not a Lakers hater, but I haven't exactly been jumping up and down about the Lakers for the last couple of weeks. But I know the Lakers are one of your teams. Uh, You have a history with the Lakers, and I know you must have been thrilled last night. Yeah, I was. There was some adulation. It was bittersweet, though, Grant, because the Lakers are one of my teams. I grew up out west for those that are, listening and have never heard me talk before. I grew up out West Los Angeles, Las Vegas for the most part, and the Lakers are a huge part of the tapestry of my sports fandom. That said, when I moved to lacrosse and began hosting the morning show, I I fell in love with a Milwaukee Bucks team that was awful, and I knew it had great potential because Giannis was on the ascent, and Giannis reminds me of Kobe Bryant because I'm a Laker fan, so that's just the way it works out for me mentally. Mm -hmm. So I was elated to get a championship for one of my teams, which has been historically successful in the 40 years that I've been on this planet. And at the same time, I felt some bittersweet longings for the Bucks, who I really had super high hopes for. I know a lot of folks in the state of Wisconsin did really thought they would be in the championship as well. 
Well, here's why I have both frustration and a little hope for our Milwaukee Bucks. I don't I don't want to make you out to be only a Lakers fan. You and I have watched a lot of Bucks basketball the last couple of years, but I know you grew up watching the Lakers as I grew up kind of watching the Bucks. And here's what both makes me sad and makes me excited at the same time. I, this Lakers team is not historically great. It's not like the Golden State Warriors for the last couple of years. They have two amazing players and some role players like KCP and even Danny Green last night. They both stepped up at, at advantageous times, but it's not like this Lakers team, you know, one through seven, put together a team of Hall of Famers. They got two great superstars and they went out and, and made it happen. How far off are the Bucks in comparison to the Lakers? Because it's not like we're talking about the Kevin Durant Warriors here, right? The Lakers have a great one too, but then the rest of the roster is, is I'm not going to say middle of the road because they, they just want a title, but it's, it's very realistic to think that the Bucks could find themselves at that place in the next couple of years. What do you think of when you watch the Lakers and then think of the, the upcoming future for the Milwaukee Bucks? So there's a lot to unpack in that little section of comments that you made. Let me start yeah. with the roster itself because you're right. On paper, in 2020, that roster isn't historically great. But I've been writing down some notes here this afternoon. This particular series in, in 2020, with the bubble being as difficult to win in as we know that it is, the isolation in and of itself makes this an extremely difficult feat. However, my, my take on the championship validated the careers of Rajon Rondo, Dwight Howard, and to a lesser degree, Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Say what you will about Dwight Howard in 2020. This is one of the best defensive centers of all time. Four-time NBA Defensive Player of the Year, multiple-time All-Star. Before injuries really slowed Dwight Howard down, he was as dominant on both ends of the court as anybody in the NBA. And he took an Orlando Magic team with Jameer Nelson to the NBA Finals only to get spanked by Kobe Bryant. Point being, this particular series to me validates three Hall of Fame careers in Anthony Davis, Rajon Rondo, who now has two championships to his credit, and Dwight Howard. Now, Rondo might be a borderline guy, but when you really look at what his body of work is in the NBA playoffs, there is a case to be made. I'm not for certain that he gets in, but he's a, he's a borderline guy. Now, to the will the Bucks be able to accomplish a similar feat? The one thing, Grant, that's the real outlier, and the poll question I had for listeners in lacrosse this morning, and if you've got folks in Madison that want to take part in this, we'd love you to do so. Our website, our Twitter feed, you can find these polls. I asked the question, does LeBron winning a fourth championship with a third team, his fourth finals MVP, get him closer to the GOAT status of Jordan? And it's a real split debate, right? It's almost like, yeah, in some cases, no in others, and why are we even asking he's better than everybody? But when you really break down what LeBron has done, and this is going to go to the Bucks, right? He's taken three different coaches to championships. Mm-hmm. Michael could only do it with one. He's taken it with a point guard as his number two guy, a center as a number two guy, and essentially a wing. Like, he and Dwayne Wade were not really comp... They, they didn't, I don't think, make each other that much better. They were just both great athletes and good friends. Agreed. The way that LeBron has been able to, to take an imperfect Lakers roster with the addition of Anthony Davis, which, by the way, the sellout of an entire team proved worthwhile. That, to me, Grant, is is a feat that I'm not sure Giannis can match yet. Yet being the key, because I do think that Giannis is unique in, like, the Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan sort of way. He is so single-mindedly focused that he will will himself to the promised land at some point. And the fact that the kid's 25 years old, I've got no reservation. He can do it. So... 
you know, long answer, yeah, maybe, but boy, LeBron James, the more that I really just start to sketch this out, the more special this guy becomes. Yeah, it, it is a long answer, Dave, but it was a long question. I kind of hit you with a lot there. Dave Carney, who hosts the WKTY Morning Show, the Sports Carnival, uh, joining us for just a couple of minutes on the Wisco Sports Show. Um, I, I want to ask you about your Lakers fandom uh, and about LeBron, because as a as a Bucks fan and as a Packer fan, right, I, I really don't have an experience similar to LeBron, uh, a LeBron James joining my team, right? So, like, as a Lakers fan, you grew up with Lakers players who, by and large, spent the prime of their career as Lakers, right? Like, Shaq didn't start there, but he's remembered mostly as a Laker. Kobe was there for his entire Laker career. LeBron James, that's a little bit different of a scenario because he has played most of his career out already, and now he's joining the Lakers for the back nine, the twilight of his career. Even if he can still win titles, it's still... Most of LeBron's story has been written. So what is it like being a Lakers fan? You have your team, your memories, and your players, and yet... You have superstar players in the twilight of their careers joining your team. Like, is that because is, is that easy to accept? Or do you immediately feel that connection with LeBron? Like, what's that like being a Lakers fan and, and having a player joining so late in his career? Do, do you get what I'm asking? Sure do. Okay. Now, first of all, that's a, that, that's a total Laker thing, though. And you can look at all the leading scorers in NBA history, except for Michael Jordan. They have all retired in a Laker uniform. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, number one. Number two, Carl Malone. Number three. LeBron James, number four, Kobe Bryant, number five, Michael Jordan, number six, Wilt Chamberlain, unless Dirk Nowitzki jumped him, I can't remember, don't hold me to that, but you get where I'm going here, Yeah. Carl Malone, late career edition, Kareem, not so much, Kobe, of course, played his career there with the Lakers, and, and LeBron, uh, we all know, so that said, I'm not a huge LeBron fan, I'm like, not he's either, he's great, and, and I love him, because he's great, and I can appreciate greatness, but I'm not a huge LeBron James fan. I don't have any knock against anything the guy has in his game. It, it really, if you do take a shot at his game, you're looking for, you're scratching for something, right? You're looking for yeah. something to not like him for. That doesn't mean you have to be a fan of his. And I've just never really been a fan of LeBron James. I was a Kobe guy. That was my guy in that era. I appreciate what LeBron has done. And like I say, the more that I sketch this thing out, the more that I'm coming to the obvious conclusion that LeBron James, yes, if he is not the greatest NBA player, he's right there at 1A, okay? That said, I'm still not a huge fan of LeBron James. So as a Laker <laughs> fan, it feels it feels all right because the team has won titles. I mean, the, the thing about the Lakers is this because it has been a decade since they've won. They've got this cycle. It seems like they go on. When they moved to L.A., they couldn't win for years and years. In 1972, they win with Wilt, okay? A late career Wilt. He was the MVP, as a matter of fact, one of the oldest finals MVPs. The only guy older was Kareem at 38 and 85. But they go from 72 to 80 with no, no rings. In 80, they start what we know as a dominant stretch in the 80s. They went to, what, eight, nine finals, one, five. It took 12 years, but then in 2000, they got back. They won from 2000 to 2003, then in 9 and 10. So they bookended the entire decade with championships, won 5 out of 10 years. It took 10 years to get back, but now it's 2020. So as a Laker fan, I'm sort of wondering if we're not in, in line for about five more championships in the yeah, next 10 years. I'm sorry to say, it's just when I'm looking at this historically, mm -hmm. in my 40 years on this planet, Grant, the Lakers have won 11 NBA championships and I don't have the count on top of my head, but I want to say it's been 19 or 20 trips to the finals. That's that's half my life mm -hmm. with trips and a third of it essentially with wins. Yeah, I, 
I, I'd love to say that I'm happy for you and that I, I'd feel thrilled for Lakers fans, but I just, <laughs> whatever, whatever. Dave Carney. I understand. Yeah, Dave, I, one more question. It's weird because the Bucks season would just about be starting right now, and instead the NBA yeah. season is wrapping up. Uh, I, I'm not going to ask you when you think the season's going to start. I, I would guess around Martin Luther King Day. I, I, don't, I think Christmas is way too close. I even think January, February is too close. I think it's going to be around Martin Luther King Day. What, where does the NBA go from here? How do they transition back into arenas? How do they transition back to normalcy? Because next season's probably going to have to be short too, right? Sure. Leave me with the easiest question that you got. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. How does anything How does anything go back to normal after next season? The NFL is going to plow through 2020 come hell or high water. They're going to get through this season. They'll be undeterred. The NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, these are all sports that face monumental challenges coming up into the near future. Monumental challenges. Major League Baseball lost so much fanfare going through the nonsense they did between the Players Association and the ownership. They lost a lot of fans anyways, and Major League Baseball's got the oldest fan base of all American professional sports at 57 years on average. Hockey is already a diminutive sport in the professional, the the major four. They only got 2.1 million viewers during the Stanley Cup Finals. That's down 61% from last year, and we know about the NBA's ratings, and I did a piece on this last week. I don't know what to say about that. I think it's going to be a challenge to get folks in stands, but I think Mm -hmm. they'll do it. I don't know if it'll be max capacity. Will everybody want to return considering the stance that the NBA has taken on certain social issues? Probably not. Will that affect the NBA's future? Doubtful because it's an international sport more than Major League Baseball or the NFL is for that fact. So I think they'll be fine in in that regard, but I don't know what it's going to look like, Grant. It's going to be... It's going to be a real question mark. I'm curious to see what we look like after, oh, November 3rd. Then I'll be able to sort of gauge what things sure. might look like in March of 2021. Sure. Well, the NBA is back on in China now, so they have that going for them. They did get, yeah, got that back. They just, they just took a year <laughs> off. They're back on in China, which this year is so weird, man. Hey, I appreciate a couple of minutes, and it's nice that even in La Crosse, Wisconsin, we have somebody as, as well-traveled and as well-versed as you to talk a little Lakers basketball. And I know I hate on the Lakers, and I... It's out of spite. It's out of jealousy. But I am happy for you, and, and I'm sure last night and, and this last week as the Lakers have kind of locked this down. I'm, I'm happy for you, Dave, and thanks again for, for joining us. Thanks, Grant. <laughs> he, he, sounded so, he sounded so unenthusiastic. He's like, yeah, kiss my ass. Just shut up about the Lakers. Yeah, that's Dave Carney, who hosts the WKTR Morning Show in lacrosse. You can follow him on Twitter at DapperDaveC. He is a pure joy and a, a very genuine soul, and I appreciate talking to him on my show every once in a while. So thanks again, Dave for joining us, and he's probably just about ready to go to bed because he gets up at about 3 a.m. every single morning. So I'm glad we caught him right before he goes down for the night. Let's talk about the Vikings. I hate that this keeps happening. I don't know why it keeps happening. 2020 is a weird year. I guess it's just par for the course. Um, I, I have to defend the Vikings? I have to defend the Vikings? Fine. I'll do it. I'm not happy about it, but I am obligated to the truth and to justice, and I have to defend the Vikings. Coming up next, final segment of the Wisco Sports Show.